Priorities and principles lead to freedom. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, the founder and host of the Seeking Excellence podcast. Today, I have a great conversation with one of our Seeking Excellence team members, Lucas Walschlager, and we discuss some of the ways that we've been able to transform our lives as we've been committed to personal growth over the last several years. Some of the things that have been kind of just tips and tricks that we've learned along the way, but just how important some of these things are that I, I consistently talk about, you know, uh, the importance of reading, prayer, time management, things like that. And so we're going to talk about some of our lessons learned in those areas and just more of a personal growth, practical uh, kind of learning type of day. And so we had a great conversation, excited to continue the conversation sometime. We recognize that we definitely need to keep going on this topic. So we certainly will, but I hope you enjoy. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Lucas, my dude, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing well, doing well. How are you doing? Brother, I am good. I'm always better when I get to spend such quality time with you, my friend. So wow. <laughs> thank you for joining me today. We want to do this for so long. Because, you know, back in the fall, we were doing like the introduction podcast for everybody on the on the team with SE. And so very thankful that we, we finally got to set aside a time to sit down and do this. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's uh, getting on a phone call with you is like trying to set something up with a celebrity, honestly. Wow. Um, wow. I don't know. Whether not, that's not because of your status, but just because of the fact that your schedule typically uh, it seems like it seems like somebody of that status for sure. I see. I see. Again, yeah, I don't know if that's a compliment or a criticism, but I'll, I'll just, I'll discern that potentially, later. Potentially both. Who knows? <laughs> that sounds more like it. That's how I like to get things kicked off. So I appreciate that, man. So I already Absolutely. introduced you a little bit in the uh, intro, but I think it'd be great for the people to just hear a little bit more about your life, who you are, and, and what you're doing now. Absolutely. Yeah. So like you said, my name is uh, Lucas. I am originally from North Dakota. And grew up raised in a great Catholic family. Um, two incredible parents, one of six kids, five boys and a girl. Uh, was a crazy household. No on top of a crazy household, I was raised on an Indian reservation, actually, uh, which was another awesome factor of you know my upbringing and being raised Catholic, and then also raised in that environment was. <clears throat> was cool. Um, it definitely presented its challenges and we can dive into, you know, what that was like a little bit more, but 
um, definitely gave me an opportunity to choose my faith very intentionally, which uh, as we unpack throughout this conversation, you'll realize that that wasn't the case. Right. <laughs> it wasn't something that I did uh, for the yeah. good majority of my life and uh, kind of took me through middle school, high school, and even into college. Firstly, in high school, being a big athlete, uh, just being really committed to you know my education and athletics and just really wanting to be the best uh, that I could be in anything that I committed myself to. And, uh, you know, like I said, once I left high school to college, I had this like pretty drastic moment at the end of high school into college where I suffered a really bad injury. And I kind of took this downward spiral that led me to a lot of drugs and alcohol and things like that. And yeah, uh, into my first year of, of college, uh, found myself in this position where I had left the faith. I was living this horrible lifestyle and I hated myself. And I was like, I just need to change. And thankfully I have two incredible parents that, you know, served as missionaries, have this incredible, uh, evangelical, you know, understanding of the faith and really just led me to this other, other path which I then took, which was being a missionary myself. And so I drastically left college and decided to become a missionary at 19 years old, dropped out. And so for, from the, from the point of being 19 to, you know, the next six, almost seven years, I served as a missionary with two different organizations, shout out to uh, net ministries and the culture project and really just just grew to not only just love the faith and love the church um, but really realize and something that we'll unpack today is that you know not only is the church the church that Christ founded and is is you know where the fullness of truth is to be found but simultaneously it has the roadmap for how we can live uh, excellent lives you know and I really just Absolutely. saw that, that that's what I wanted and that's what I wanted to unpack and share with people. And uh, so fast forward to a year and a half ago, met you, <laughs> grew in friendship, just jived on pretty much every level possible. That's right. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, this last, this last June, I, I, I left the culture project. I moved from Philadelphia to Austin. Um, I now work for a private equity firm. Uh, essentially that's, that's a, 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 a an organization, a, a fund that invests in other companies. And so we invest in software companies, acquire them and basically operate them. Um, and just this past weekend, I got engaged. Yeah, you did. So I am marrying, uh, an incredible woman. Nathan can probably attest. I Absolutely. Don't know how I pulled that off. Um, <laughs> her name is Houdini stuff right there, man. It was yeah. magic. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was some stuff for sure. So grace uh, of God, just in a great place in life. So yeah, that's a little bit. I love to hear it, man. Thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Yeah, that's so funny. She is. Yeah, Laura is just uh, an incredible woman. So very excited for you guys. Uh, you know, Emily and I were stoked to get the FaceTime the other night uh, with you guys, <laughs> getting to see the ring on her finger and stuff like that was cool. So. Um, very excited for you guys, but yeah, so many good things there. I think, you know, I, knowing this about your background, you didn't specifically share this, but just the experience of being raised on the, uh, 
the Indian reservation. And just like, I think something that you and I really bonded over that's relevant to what we're going to dive into here soon is being raised in not necessarily being, I mean, and I think that you might've experienced this more than I did, but like, I wasn't necessarily poor growing up for sure. Um, but money was always like tight and a point of contention within the home. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that for that was sure. something that we really bonded over as well. Um, but just like that experience. Yeah. I was just like, how did mold you as a child? And, and we were just kind of talking about that this morning too. And just, there's more I want to share on that later, but also just, I think something that was so key and something that we're missing in a lot of ways today in society is you talk about kind of hitting that rock bottom and having great parents who are able to guide you mm. through that. And, and I think there was such a gift. And one thing that I think is really cool about your story is the fact that you didn't graduate from college and that your parents, unlike most parents in that situation where you were really in a toxic environment and in a bad place in college, helped to guide you into the missionary life instead of just being like, well, you have to go to college. You need to finish that, mm-hmm. which a lot of parents do. And they keep their kids in this toxic place where they're clearly not thriving and help them, you know, and just kind of force them through that, which isn't helpful for anyone, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's a ton there. I think firstly, just the environment I was raised in, like, you know, like you said, I wasn't raised in a family where we were rich by any means. Uh, a lot of times, you know, being in a family of eight people, six kids, it's things are probably more often than not going to be a little tight anyway. So um, being, being like mentally aware of that as a child uh, is an interesting experience, you know, yeah. not just in your own family, but then, like you said, like a lot of my friends growing up lived in some form of poverty, you know, like, if it, if it had been financial or, you know, just, just poverty within the household, like broken, broken marriages, yeah. domestic violence, um, drugs, alcohol, abuse, all these things. Like I distinctly re- remember like friends living through that through the course of middle school, high school. Um, and it, it made me appreciate what I had. Uh, and the incredible uh, gift that it is to have great great parents. But then on the back end of that, to like inform how I'm going to live my life telling, like I always knew growing up that like if I really love my parents or if I, if I really, yeah, if I really love my parents, I want to be like them. But also like if I really love my friends <laughs> and like, really want, want to like be a, be, be the kind of person that like they didn't have in their own life. Yeah. I'm going to do everything I can now to learn, like, what, what is it going to take for me to be the kind of parent that I had and that they didn't, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so I just try to commit myself to that, you know, also I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive. My video is all crazy right now. So (laughs) <laughs> no worries, it is uh yeah that's awesome man so thanks for sharing that so what we're going to talk about today is just a lot of the stuff of what you you kind of mentioned earlier you know of us meeting a year and a half ago and just a lot of the stuff that we kind of bonded over uh, i remember when i came up we met uh for everybody who doesn't know we met each other at the culture project interview weekend in may 2019 right yeah in philadelphia yeah man with our homie randall tan we had a a bunch of bunch of hooligans on that trip it was fun Mm -hmm. but we had a good time and uh i learned a lot and and was awesome but the the biggest thing i think that came out of that was our friendship you know Mm -hmm. uh for that weekend at least for me 
And so one thing that really we talked about a lot was you were reading a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which at that point, I think I had read twice already. And it was interesting because obviously like Robert Kiyosaki could be somewhat controversial character, you know, similar to like President Trump in the business world and mm -hmm. definitely makes some suspect calls and things like that. Like uh, it's definitely after profits in a big way. But I think there are some fundamental, like huge things in that book that a lot of people can benefit from, that a lot of people need to learn, you know, and we, we agreed a lot in how the church many people in the church are lacking basic life skills, um, especially amongst young people. I think it's incredibly common amongst like highly engaged young adult Catholics that they are lacking in some of these basic life skills, like budgeting, knowledge of investing, time management, understanding the importance of value of reading and the importance of living an active, like fit lifestyle, you know? And so something that we like, we agreed on, you know, and I, I just remember like we had some wonderful just like rant and I was just like, man, you know, when you find somebody who agrees with this stuff and believes in that, like, it's so uplifting. It's so inspiring. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's really, really fun. I think to kind of feel that, but like what you've worked in the church, obviously uh, much longer than I have, but what has been some of your experience of seeing that? Like, why do you think that gap exists? And like, how do you feel like that impacts Catholic young adults, like lacking these skills? How can you, how have you seen that kind of bear negative fruit in the lives of people? Yeah, first off, I distinctly remember a handful of those conversations when we first met. And I just yeah. remember, I just remember us like bugging out together. And, we were, yeah. Yeah, and everybody around us was just like, what's going on? <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, like some of the, yeah, and it just like, it just goes over their head, you know? Uh, I remember there were some other some really people conversations. Though, oh, you know? for sure. Yeah, like some people, it's so interesting because I think that a lot of times we have those conversations and we've had a lot of good conversations and ironically, like you and I in our relationship, like we've had a lot of those conversations around other people, you know, where it's like mainly you and I, but other people are kind of listening in. And it's interesting to see people like encounter the truth or encounter some like thought provoking things and like not even want to like open that can of worms. You know what I mean? Like they don't even want to mm -hmm. enter into that arena of like, man, I don't know anything about money, but like I'll just leave it that way, you know, like, it's so, mm -hmm. like I probably should, but oh, well, you know, like I'll figure it out later. And I think it comes down to like people have in general, not just Catholics and a lot of that I know people just have an aversion to pain. People have an aversion to be yeah. uncomfortable, you know, and or like starting new. Exactly. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like, you know, when we came to that conversation, uh, you were still in the military, like you're an army officer. You went to right. ranger school. You did time in Af Afghanistan, like myself, like I wasn't in the military by any means, but I'd been a missionary living a pretty hardcore lifestyle for a number of years. Yeah. I grew up in a, you know, as an athlete, things like that in, in an environment that, you know, you had to, you had to make um, some decisions and, and live a certain way to, I wouldn't say get ahead by any means, but at least like, uh, be respected and, and things like that. And so it, for sure. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that, you know, like they don't, they don't have those, that basic understanding and knowledge of themselves. And then the, the EQ, the emotional intelligence, and then also uh, just the fortitude, like the actual courage yeah, to take right. knowledge and apply it. You know what I mean? I think that that's, that's, that's a big gap that I see across the board. Right. Absolutely. And it's so interesting too, how people, and I experienced this and I just experienced it yesterday is like this, the beginning of this year, I'm like really getting back into like budgeting hard and like creating an investment plan for the year and all these looking at a ton of different stuff. Right. 
And it's interesting, like there's even moment, like I have to be very disciplined with myself. And luckily I know myself well enough to recognize like, okay, I kind of hit my limit for today. And I know I need to pick it back up tomorrow, but I also know I need to stop today, right? Cause like I'm hitting a point, I've learned a lot here today. I'm hitting the point of where I'm not gonna remember anything else that I learned. I know that I'm getting frustrated and kind of discouraged in how much I don't know, right? And all the steps that I need to take. So this is a time where I need to step away, make some practical steps of what I need to do next, take a break, go do something else, right? And come back to it tomorrow or the next day and actually take some of those practical steps because it is overwhelming, right? Like it, it can be, and but it's the same thing. It takes the same courage. That's why it drives me nuts, especially in like missionaries or people who work for the church that do this because it's the same courage and discipline that it takes to start your spiritual life from scratch, right? And we expect other people to do that but it's like, well, when was the last time you did that, right? Like you maybe were raised a cradle Catholic and you, you know, your parents luckily taught you how to pray and to go to mass regularly and all this stuff. But for somebody who hasn't, that's, a, they're developing and doing the same thing. And so you can't even relate to them because you've never actually done that, right? You've never actually on your own developed from the beginning, like no knowledge, like self-taught, basically self-led, found like sought out your own mentors through books and podcasts and real life people, and then tried to actually improve an area of your life. <laughs> yeah, it, it's I crazy. Think I, it, absolutely. And I think just like the fact that we just celebrated Christmas reveals like one of the greatest truths in our faith. And that is that grace builds on nature, right? Like Christ came to right. sanctify humanity. And he does that by taking our human nature and divinizing it, right? He makes us holy through yeah. grace. And I think just the real realization that in my time in missionary circles and just in the church in this like uh, this 21st century church, there is, in my opinion, this like, we know that whole, the whole grace, grace built upon nature thing is a real thing, but we don't really understand the, like the actual implications of it. <laughs> like yeah. the fact that like natural law is real and that like you have to correspond to grace by living like That's a, a naturally point. virtuous life, you know, and that and we always say like, it's in, it's based upon your state in life. And what does that actually mean? Like if you're a priest, it means like doing the natural things that a priest should do and doing it by means of, of grace. And, you know, the, hopefully that is going to be made holy. <laughs> and if you're a single right. person, an engaged person, a married person, it's doing the normal natural things that a single engaged or married person ought to do by means of grace knowing that those are going to be made holy. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, yeah. it's, it's so unbelievably simple, <laughs> but we, we live in this, this like over spiritualized sense of our faith yeah, and, and like, and forget this very natural foundational uh, reality. Of our faith. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's, that's in my opinion, that's the rupture. Um, yeah. And that's, and you, you spending a lot of time in the military, you know, very well how protestants are very different in this realm yeah like they they get oh, the entrepreneurial yeah. like ventures they get the the practical application of uh you know virtue into these very natural elements of life budgeting finances you know investments uh, family life all these things they understand it right uh, no, yeah i don't know sure. if you have any thoughts on that yeah man that's big i didn't know you were going to come out really preaching today <laughs> I thought you was going to be kind of preaching today. <laughs> Come on, man. You, you, from the moment you met me, you knew we're always preaching. We're always always bringing the heat, baby. That's right. No, that's so real, man. The over-spiritualization because, 
like that's the like when, why did jesus tell the parable of the the talents you know the one the five and the ten like that was money like they literally went out and made more money you know and like it doesn't have to be that you go out and you're, you're everything you do is like to try to make more money or to mm-hmm. but that's like that's practical living like he's like your talents are meant to like spread and multiply throughout the world and like that only happens when you actually are practical make good decisions think about the future right <laughs> are disciplined in doing what you do every day mm-hmm. like doing your daily duties and things like that like that's such a big thing, you know, and it's so important to try to do all of that well, because when we do that, we glorify God with everything that we do. And we're going to be able to make a bigger impact in the church and in the world through those actions, you know, through those things that we do. So I think, I mean, dude, that's so important. And so I think like what, what prompted you and I'll share kind of my background too. on like things like budgeting or learning about investing and, and even time management, like any of that personal growth stuff, like what motivated you to want to start to develop that? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll we'll get to like the deeper, what I think is the deeper issue uh, yeah. and so many people avoiding it. We'll get to that in a little bit. But for myself, initially, it was just that, I mean, I realized like practically speaking, like life is expensive, <laughs> you know, like not only that, but like you said, I was, I was transitioning in life from dropping out of college, being a missionary where, you know, if you know anything about missionaries, missionaries don't make a ton of money to then looking to the future. And I was like, I don't have a degree. So already people are going to be looking at me differently. I have X amount of years of missionary experience. So I only have a limited skill set. Simultaneously, I have lost six to seven years of like financial earnings years. You know what I mean? And now I need to get started. I think that that was really the big thing. And so by the time that I met you, two years ago, almost, I was, like you said, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I was looking at Tony Robbins. I was like looking into these people who are these big, you know, icons, figures, if you will, in the business, entrepreneurship, finance type realm, personal growth, whatever it might be. And I was just like, okay, in the 21st century, so many things are possible with the internet and, you know, just, just how connected we are and the ability to network and meet the right people and be in the right place at the right time and do incredible things. And so I was like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> you know, like, yes, like why, why aren't I doing this? And, <laughs> then, and then boom, I started doing it. This is it. This is like crazy. Like, and this is something that I, I really, I really respect in you, Nathan. And I think, I think really attracts people to you is that like, when you switch your mindset to going from stagnant to I'm going to make things happen, things gravitate towards you. Not in this like weird, right. kooky, like, like magic sense, but this, way, yeah. yeah, no, but in this, like people see that and they, they naturally gravitate towards people who are doing big things, who are We're at least wanting happen, to. Baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I first, when I started to, like when I made that decision, things started happening. I started meeting the right people. That's yeah. what it's about. It's crazy. Yeah. And your eyes are so much more open towards opportunity and things like that as well. You hit mm-hmm. so many good things there. And I think that that's why I wanted to talk about us both, you know, coming from not, you know, not the worst, definitely like not the world poverty background, but also just like a recognition that like we weren't necessarily set up for success, you know, in a lot of ways. And in some ways I, I very much was, you know what I mean? Like my mom worked several jobs, worked very hard for me to go to private school and do all these things. Um, but like, I was just talking, you know, uh, to Emily this morning about like, I, I started in the army. I remember getting down to Fort Benning in June, 2015 and like 
didn't have the money to buy the packing list that we needed. Like I could not afford three uniforms. I was just like, mm-hmm. how am I supposed to do this? Like we didn't get paid for like five or six weeks. And, you know, I was like, I don't have, like, I had like $300, you know, <laughs> and it's yeah. crazy to me now looking at like how I've been able to grow my net worth to where it is now, you know, is, is unbelievable. Like, it's awesome, you know, like to be able to like buy my car, like buy a new car, like, and just have the money to literally pay for it, you know, like to pay yeah, for it all front, like cash yeah, is, is incredible, <laughs> yeah. you know, several times over. Yeah. And it's like, this is amazing. And it's exactly what you, what you said there is like, how can I combat my setbacks? And it made me think of like these setbacks or these obstacles that I'm going to face, right? Like actually looking at them, accepting that they're there and then creating a plan to navigate them. And it made me think of uh, Patrice Corday by Pope Francis recently. And I was just on the mm-hmm. She Believe podcast with my dear friend, Caroline Rose Owens and talking about this. And it was one of the things that uh, Pope Francis said about St. Joseph is that St. Joseph was an accepting father and he accepted his reality and what he had. And then he was creatively courageous. That was another thing he said about him in the way that he navigated those problems, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what our life requires. And it's so simple, but accepting your reality, creating a plan and also seeing who can help you. And this is something that really affected me by uh, Dr. Eric Thomas, who's one of my favorite motivational speakers. I love ET. Most people know that about me. I really haven't talked about it much in the podcast, but love Eric Thomas. And I was like obsessed with him in college, right? Like he literally like helped me like rewire my brain in college. I listened to him so much, like memorize his talks. And one thing that he said, I'll never forget is, what do I need to know? And who knows it? Right? Like, he's like, I was homeless. I was doing all this stuff. Like I had a ton of setbacks. So he's like, when I got to college, I thought to myself, what do I need to know? And who knows it? And I, I wrote this about this in my blog, the honors program, about how I was so blessed to be in the honors program. What I learned through that, coming from high school, where I cheated a lot in my classes, I went from being in honors, honors classes to gradually just falling out of all of those. And just like not really caring about school. And then I got to college and got luckily accepted into the honors program, mainly, I think, because of affirmative action, to be honest with you, and found myself there and was like, well, I better take advantage of this, you know, I wasn't going to turn it down, even though it was harder, didn't really have a lot of rewards. But what I knew was going to be one of the rewards that wasn't on paper that wouldn't nobody else would see but me, was I'd be around the best students in my class. And that was like, I was like, I'm going to learn from and you mentioned that about looking for books and podcasts, and you find the right people, because I was like, I want to learn from them how to study. How do I develop good relations with my teachers? I got, you know, I forget what I got, uh, 21 detentions between freshman and sophomore year of high school. Safe to say I didn't have great relationship with my teachers, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so yeah. like in college, I'm like, I don't want to be that anymore. Like, how can I have good relationship with these teachers, these professors, so I can learn as much as possible and really become the man that I want to be and learn how to be successful in the world? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it- Spot on. And it's, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, well, like, what does it actually look like? What does it actually look like to do that? You know, like a perfect example is I'm obviously I'm like getting married and whatnot, but even before that I was wanting to make an investment in a house. Like I've been wanting to get into real estate. I've been wanting to like get a rental property, whatever it might be. And I was, like you said, perfect example uh, of what you said in terms of what do I need to know and who, who knows it? I got to Austin. It's a thriving market in terms of, you know, uh, homes that are going up and, and increasing in value and all these things. And I got here and I was like, okay, what do I need to know to navigate Austin? And who is somebody I can reach out to? So I was like, you know, that just spurring like of creative thinking when you're creatively thinking, you're not telling yourself, I can't figure it out, but rather you're looking for solutions that may or may not be apparent. Right? Oh right man. You know what Absolutely. I mean? It's a whole different way of approaching a problem. Oh my, not only that, but then once, you, 
once you're, once you just are a little, once you're committed and you like, you persevere in that kind of thinking, you realize that not just one solution will make itself known, but multiple will make themselves known. And it's, then it's yeah. just a matter of time acting. And I, I was just like, okay, who knows what I need to know? And I went on a platform, uh, a real estate platform, a community, and was just like, okay, who's somebody I can reach out to? And I saw somebody who's from Minnesota. He's in Austin now. And I was like, perfect. I lived in Minnesota. Yeah, you did. We definitely connect. So I reached out and now he's like teaching me all these different things. And we just met up this morning and I never would have done that if I wasn't committed to finding a solution to something that otherwise could have actually deterred me from even starting to begin with. Amen. And that's one of the biggest things I think we took away from Rich Dad Poor Dad is the mindset of I can't afford it to how can I afford it? you know, and just that mm. shift in thinking, and especially when it comes to like raising your kids and thinking about that, you know what I mean? To start to think, to get that creative thinking going instead of just the immediate no, because that's what he says, you know, is that like that approach, he talks about the two fathers in his life and how those approaches to money and wealth creation and just like living a good lifestyle and a healthy relationship with money and, and how even when you, when you talk about that, you know, obviously everybody in the church gets all worked up about uh, money is root of all evil. And, and it's like, no, the love of money is the root of all mm-hmm. evil. Like we need money to turn the lights on in the church. Right. So it can't be inherently wrong because we need it. And they ask for it a lot. Right. If you go to church every Sunday, you're aware that most parishes ask for it a lot. And so money is obviously important. And so it's not about having a love of money. And in fact, people who are sound, have sound financial principles are typically less worried about it. They're less consumed about it. Families that uh, you know, that I knew growing up that, that were better off, like argued about money less than my parents did. And so I think that that's worth knowing. And it's, it's important for us to start to take advantage of that because that was something that motivated me to start to learn about it because I was like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want to repeat that. I don't want to be stressed about it. I don't want to be worried about it. And then you start making money and you also realize like, why do people ask, ask people, why are you doing what you're doing? Right. Why are you going to work every day? Why did you go to college? It's usually to get a job to make money. Right. And a lot of times people look up, but many people, maybe not everybody, but a lot of us look up what's the salary going to be of this major, right? The average salary of X majors. Like that's got to be a very, very frequently Googled question, right? By college students because it matters ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so once you have it, something else that I think is so big and rich that poor dad, you know, we were talking about today in regards to socialism and capitalism and things like that is, is he talks about this, this reality that even like more money doesn't make your life better if you don't have the principles and budget in place to actually be able to handle it. And so that's why we talk about with, you know, things like socialism. If you point to the fact that even if we wiped away everybody's money today and gave everybody $50,000 in 10 years, it would be, we would still have the 1% and the bottom 99%, you know, and people would still, like the inequality would happen again because people still don't know what to do with their money. Throwing more money at people. There's a reason I just, so by the time this comes out, our BLM podcast will have come out. And we talked about the welfare state, me and Bella. And I shared that $22 trillion have been put forth to anti-poverty programs in the United States. Yeah, since President Lyndon B. Johnson put, you know, started the war on poverty. And it's it's barely budged. And it's like, oh, wow. It's like, at what point, how many trillions of dollars are we going to spend before you realize that just giving away free money does not, eradicate poverty it doesn't change things mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. and that's that's the the big you know debate between socialism and capitalism is that the only way to make everybody equal and have equal outcomes is make everybody poor 
Mm-hmm. You know, and limit the yeah. advancements or the opportunities for people to escape poverty. That's the only, there's, a, there's no way to create everybody in the middle class because people will literally blow their money and spend themselves into like just going backwards. That's why we have the credit, the, inc- the incredible credit card debt that we have. People always point to the student loan debt, but just think of the credit card debt that we have as a nation is incredible. And why is that? Nobody forces people to do that, right? That's mm-hmm. not just because people live below the poverty line. There's people who make six figures that have you know, incredible credit card debt in the U.S. Yep. Yeah, yeah, man, it's wild. And and what you said earlier, I think, is really big in terms of like, you know, if you if you don't have the right principles um, and habits in place financially, then you know nothing nothing good is going to come from that situation. And I think I think even even to add on to that is this this reality that like if you don't have like a purpose behind like a direction financially on this whole financial uh, topic, then, then, then what are you doing? Like, think about this. Like you think of like our, our culture and, and, you know, people see these big like capitalists and these, you know, these big tech tycoons, business tycoons, whatever. And they have all of this money. And it's pretty safe to say that a good majority of them like live pretty godless lives. But you think, you think about like, what do they do with their money? And they, some do corrupt things. Some like they, they lobby for political gains. They do all these different things. And then you ask yourself, like, why do they do that? Because they don't have a family. Right. Like, like they don't have a, like, like a morally good sounds thing to put their money behind. And it's like for any, any Catholic Christian, anybody who wants to live a principled virtuous life out there listening to this, it's like, what better thing could you, gain the right principles, habits, and direction financially to, to support other than a family, other than a church community, other than investments that are going to better your family, a community, a potentially a city and your entire, your entire country, you know, like, like, like the domino effect in in this realm is real. And if you don't look at it in the, in that regard, you're going to miss out and you're going to, have this, like you said, this poverty mentality your whole life. Exactly. And just go backwards. I just, I just looked it up. It's $750 billion in credit card debt uh, for Americans in the third quarter of, that was at the end of the third quarter in 2020, it said, and the funny thing is that it said that it actually dropped by 9% since 2019 at that point in 2020. So that's kind of, you know, terrifying to think about. It was actually nearly 10% higher than that. And it's actually probably going to go up further, you know, as taxes increase with the new administration. So uh, that's unfortunate, but yeah, no, I think that's such an important point, man, is, uh, just thinking about, you know, yeah, I think it ultimately comes down to the, the, the big switch that we've had recently, instead of, you know, the famous JFK line of what, don't ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Like when you think about like capitalism, even whether that's like, uh, Jeff Bezos or Apple, some of these big countries, these big companies, is like they make so much money because they've literally radically changed our lives for the better. <laughs> you know, like that's the reason why. And you know, we might be upset or you might be jealous or whatever it might be, but like that's the the shift that I think happens as opposed to like this socialism that we're kind of moving into. And I don't want to mm-hmm. completely talk about capitalism, socialism. I want to keep it more focused on personal mm-hmm. lives, but still, like that's the shift. Is instead we're just asking now, what can my country do for me? And eventually your country runs out. Like America is not this like, you know, golden land of yeah. <laughs> prosperity that just automatically happens. And, but anyways, I think yeah. it, it is super key, you know, going back to it, that we take ownership from what we have, you know, like what 
has been entrusted to us? What is our responsibility? And kind of going back to some, and we probably need a whole podcast, honestly, on like, what are the practical steps that we took actually to start growing and learning in that? And we, we should do that and we will. Um, but going back to some of the, you know, stuff, I know we want to talk about a little bit of masculinity and St. Joseph and things like something you said earlier, made me think of like how frustrated as a, when I was a parish consultant uh, for a year, something that was always frustrating was like, you had priests who were like, either like liturgically strong, or they were scripturally strong, or they were, they were, it had good interpersonal tact, or they were good in the business realm. But like, it was so hard to find one that was like, kind of good at all of it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like, we get frustrated with priests who do that, because they either leave the parish like ravaged in debt, or they leave the parish without like, uh, you know, any type of warmness, like they're not like warming up to the people and like actually leading the people, they either don't care about their spiritual lives, or their liturgy is all horrific and breaking all kind of canon law, you know, and it's like, we as men, you know, as laymen also have the same responsibility to be masters of kind of all things, right? And, and women as well. Like, and I think it's important to understand that we always want to project that on them. We want the, the priest to be, you know, a politician, a, a businessman, a father, like all these different things. Um, but we don't expect that of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't expect it of ourselves, which is wild. I think, I think one of the gaps in that whole logic of like, well, why aren't the, why aren't the priests, you know, more well-rounded or whatever it might be like, number one, God bless our priests. Uh, the, the vocation that, you know, God has called them to and, and the kinds of things that they embrace and, and go through, regardless if they're a good priest or not is a, is a cross. Like it is, it is the cross. Like that kind of a life is the cross. So number one, like have a little mercy, like where's your charity, you know, like, right, like be charitable. Number two is where do you think those priests came from? A family. Yeah. So all of you out there who, uh, you know, may or may not want to complain about priests and I'm in that category, you know, priests, bishop, whoever, whoever it might be like, why don't they make better decisions? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, like, like a priest came, was like raised in a family you know, and they were formed by a family, by a mom and a dad, maybe not a mom and a dad, maybe a broken family, whatever it might be. And that's inevitably shaped what kind of priest they're, they're going to be. You know what I mean? I just think right. like, like that idea in and of itself is an opportunity for people like us who may or may not be religious in the future, who may have a family to then think like, okay, how can I live and make decisions now to enter a vocation so that I'm ready to raise children that would be equipped to be a great priest, a well-rounded priest, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or whatever it might be. Um, I think that like, that is a potential, it is the solution long game to uh, that kind of an issue. It always comes back to the family. It it really does, you know? Yeah. Which is interesting why it's such a, a thing that's so attacked by secular society the nuclear family and why there's so many things that have been put into place that affect people economically that are, you know, that are intertwined with the family, you know, single parent households and things like that. It's wild, man. It's so interesting how, yeah, parents, the family, like it's always attacked by these things that are ungodly, you know, Mm -hmm. and and they just devastate all these different areas of life. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's so important. How, How do you feel like you've, you know, going back to some of these topics that we talked about, these skills that people are lacking, Talk to me about some of the other ones, either time management, the value of reading, like what have you kind of like learned about those over the last few years and like, how have you grown in that, in those areas? Yeah. I mean, I think again, it just goes back to like, 
natural like daily things is it is it is good and virtuous to be on time it just right. is <laughs> objectively like yeah. it objectively is like like it it is regardless of like how big of an insult it's at least minorly insulting to be five minutes late to to a commitment you know like right like that doesn't like that 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 should matter to you you know and which then means like if if you're someone who isn't timely then like you need to manage your time better and so like for me these kinds of things are just like common sense on like a virtuous level like it's it's huge to um at least in my opinion i think it's one of the biggest ways that you can love somebody is being orderly is being timely is being disciplined is putting yourself in a situation to succeed in your relationships you know like right and 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 you're not just a steward of things like money and possessions you're a steward ultimately of time and yes. so if you don't manage and and discipline yourself to steward your time well you're just gonna flounder like that's just i've had so many people in the past tell me like oh well like like being on time isn't virtuous i was like like i don't know what what brought you to that thought but like (laughs) you're just wrong like it's okay (laughs) like like it's okay like like i have no problem telling you you're wrong but like know that there's something deeper there and and i think that you know moving off from time management to like to, to reading, I think overall, just like educating yourself. I think that this was something that I really had to like step it up in is because like I didn't go to college. And so I, I, I almost like overcompensated for that fact. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I, I had so many conversations with people the first, the, the early years after leaving college where I actually had people tell me that like I was stupid for leaving college. Like right. old Naturally. men, old no men who, yeah, who like sent their kids to college. They're just what like, are you gonna do? Yeah, like you ruined yeah, your drugs life. on the street. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that's the only option. Yeah, and and it's one of those things where I was like, okay, again, like creatively thinking, like like finding the solution. Like I don't believe in the whole like student loan thing. So what can I do to get the knowledge that somebody else got? by paying $50,000 a year. Oh, I can just like read good books, <laughs> you know, like, oh, right. I can just like listen to great podcasts. I can take courses for a fraction of the price. Um, and from there, like demonstrate my knowledge of it, you know, I, and, I, and for that's, sure. that goes for everybody. I know that you're big on reading and podcasts and all those things. And I think it just, it takes an internal commitment to seeing the value of forming your mind. And, uh, you know, because, because, People always say like knowledge is power. Knowledge plus application is power. Like yeah. that truly, truly. Yeah, you have to use it. Yeah, it's so interesting, man, because that was something that I learned at a very early age is how beneficial reading and podcasts and stuff were. And I learned that when I was like 20 years old and I was in college when I started speaking. Because what I one thing that I learned when I was at the Bound and, and people started speaking is like, I always was was kind of shocked at how mind blown people were that I could speak on topics other than myself. And what I mean by that is like everybody basically could like give their testimony, you know, and if you think even about a lot of Catholic speakers today, like, sure, like it's good to have like your top five talks or whatever, but like some people legitimately only have like three talks they can give. Like They, they could talk about 
this one thing and that is it, you know, like, and I think that that's, that's fine. And maybe they have more aspects or, you know, are more dynamic in their interpersonal life and stuff like that. But it's so interesting to me how limited we can get, you know, in doing that. And, and again, like the pressure that we put on priests, like we want priests to be able to speak into our marriage and speak into our financial problems and speak into all these different areas and answer every question that we have about the faith of all time, you know? And it's like, but for us, it's like, we don't have to know anything. You know, I don't have to know shit, but I want him to know everything yeah. <laughs> about everything. It's like, dude, it's not how it works. But it was interesting because I was like, we're so much of the content, even when we're doing the podcast now, you know, I look at some of the other young podcasters and then like, it's, it's amazing to me, you know, like they'll struggle like one a week's a lot or, I, you know, people get started with things. It's always so funny because people just realize how difficult it can be mm-hmm. to do one, one thing a week, even, you know, like people that will start yeah. doing videos or Facebook yeah. pages, whatever. And it's like, yeah, it is hard, you know, like, but the, the, the thing that I have, I was just kind of thinking about this the other day. I, I told Emily's sister this, I got to speak at a Legatus group there in Denver mm-hmm. and I, I plan, you know how I roll. So you and I, I was going to talk about this with Ty. Did, did you write, did you write like three, three bullet points, five minutes before the talk? Right time? before baby, <laughs> you, know you know how it is. I had all week, bro. I was, I've been off for a month up to this point. Right. And I, I wrote it all that morning, woke up that morning and wrote it all. I actually spent like a good like 30, 30, 45 minutes planning it out and thinking about it and stuff. And what, but one thing that I thought was so interesting, bro, and you're going to love this. It was kind of like this like analogy of, I think it was Picasso, but I can never remember the, the, the artist that it was, but there's that story, that classic story. It's in a lot of personal growth books, right? Where it says, uh, you know, Picasso, let's say it was Picasso is like sitting in like a diner one day and it's just like doodling on a napkin and draws this like beautiful picture. And this lady comes up and is like, wow, that's really nice. Like, I'll buy that from you. Like, I literally will buy that from you. And she's like, how much do you want for it? And he's like, uh, $10,000. And she's like, what? Like, it's on a napkin that took you like five minutes to draw. And he's like, no, my dear, like, this took me 40 years to draw, you know, because mm-hmm. he talks about like his experience, all the things that, like his growth and development that he put into being able to do that so quickly. And like, I was like, that's how I feel sometimes with like talks and things like that is there's so much to choose from because of how much I take in, you know, like it was like I read 30 books last year. So I can think of major top, like I'm speaking to a group of men here and I'm like, I can think of major points that I read from four different books that were focused on manhood last year, you know, let alone the order of man podcasts. I listened to the people I've interviewed on podcasts, you know, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, all these different guys, father, Mike Schmitz, you know, like all this, all these things, the things I learned from prayer, you know, and it's like when you do all of that, like it, it is easier than to go and be able to share wisdom and share knowledge and things. And it's not even all mine. Like it doesn't have to be yours, but I can grow in all these different areas and learn so much from reading books. And so much of it is free, man, or like very Seriously. cheap. Like you just pointed out, people spend $50,000 and leave college not knowing what to do with their lives. You know, like, I mean, college. It that's the real, really that's the real mystery. <laughs> right. Yeah. How, yeah. It's like mind blowing. Like you can spend like 200 grand at college and walk away and like what you get for that. And like the way people leave, how unprepared they are for like the real world and life is literally scary, but just highly unfortunate. You know, like you want to talk about one of the biggest issues we have higher education than just the facade that it is for so many people that don't go to be formed to be actual adults, which one of my favorite things here about Benedictine college is like, that's one of our goals is like to form adults. Like that is literally like our mission in residence life. And that has to be the focus of when kids go to college, because when they go just to get a degree, you go just to like, dude, if you don't know how, if you don't, if you leave and don't know how to budget, even if you make a hundred grand a year, you're going to be in debt. 
mm-hmm. forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not going to know what to do with yourself. Like you don't learn yeah. some of these practical things. And it's amazing to me how our generation now is like becoming the teachers, like we're becoming the, you know, educators and things like that. And like, I'm like, how many generations have we complained about how there's no like budgeting classes in high school and nobody does anything about it? You know, like they, like it's, it's one thing to be like, why did I learn how to like apply for a credit card or to get, how to get a mortgage or like what that means in high school? It's like, well, you can learn now, mm-hmm. you know, like you're watching Netflix for 12 hours a week. You're on Instagram for eight hours a week, but you can't, but you're telling me you couldn't watch a 30 minute YouTube video on, yeah. on any of this stuff. Like, dude, you got to take some ownership. That and it just comes down to like asking yourself, asking yourself the real question, like what do you really value? <laughs> like what is actually important? Yes. Um, but it, yeah, the whole like higher education—that's that's a whole other conversation. But one more thing on the reading is like if you want two good reasons why you should read every single day, other than what you just said, Nathan, in terms of like like there's so many so many things that you should know and should be able to yeah. speak into every single day, but 99% of us can't, like that is on you. Like the majority of your life isn't because of the fact that you were duped into like really poor <laughs> forms of education, but now that you're not at home and you're a grown adult, like you were a grown man or a woman, you're it's a on you. Man, dog. Yeah, exactly. Like two <laughs> things, like number one, like an incredible benefit is that like you gain the skill of being more inquisitive. Like mm-hmm. you inquire more. I can't tell you in my multiple years of missionary work and now working in a secular work environment, how I get into conversations with people and they don't inquire into my life or anything at all. Right. Like they don't, they don't have, and I've realized it, it's not that they're not interested. It's that they don't have the habit or skill set to ask good questions. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big, a big the skill that can grow. be, yeah. And can be gained from simply reading because you just Dude. like, you have ideas and all these things and you ask questions because of it. That's I think right. the second, second thing off of that, a great like side effect of reading every day is you become interesting. Like, <laughs> like you become an interesting human being. I think like, like, again, the woman I get to marry is incredible. And I think like one of the, she, she does a really great job of affirming me. I'm a big affirmation guy. Like, like affirm me all day. Uh, it's probably a slightly prideful thing, but you know, I think you're wonderful, uh, Lucas. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, but one, like the biggest compliment that she has, well, she's given me some big ones. So it's one of the big ones, um, is that she says that like, one of the reasons why I was so attracted to you is like, you were just far more interesting than all the other guys out there. Yeah. Like you can, you can just talk like the things that you can talk about just blows my mind sometimes. (laughs) And I'm just like, and I sit there and I'm like, really? Like, I guess that's true, but it's just because I'm interested in a lot of things. And I go and I seek that information and then I tell people about it. It's really right. one plus one. Yeah, yeah it's that's super really it. simple, man. Oh my goodness, brother. No, that's hundred percent true. And I, I mean, I agree. I agree with Laura. I agree with Laura on most things, but I do agree with her on that, especially that like, and I love that about us. Like, I mean, dude, there's a reason why like <laughs> our, our meetings on SE stuff when they're one-on-one are like, highly unproductive right because like i just like need that time with you sometimes every couple of weeks to just like have the conversation you and i have had 
on like the insights you've provided me on relationships, on finances, on leadership, on personal growth, you know, like spiritual life. Like we have been able to share and like go back and forth and literally be like the definition of like iron sharpening iron, Mm -hmm. which is beautiful and awesome. But too many people want that. Like there's people listening, obviously that are like, man, like I want that. I want to have friendship like that. Well, you have to be one of the, you have to be in that relationship. You 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 will, you will attract the person that you are. Like, it's just simple. You just will. And it's like, it, it starts with you actually becoming that person. Yeah, exactly. And like the same with you, it, it like, that's, that's the mystery of like complementarity right there. Yep. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's it, you know? And exactly. like, like you would look to me for certain things and I look to you for like more grit, like just like more of a willingness to like get after it, you know, like right. whatever it yeah. might be. And like, if you want a great biblical like relationship that, that demonstrates that, like, look at, look at David and Jonathan yeah. Um, great, great example of that kind of friendship. And like to have that kind of a friend, you have to be that kind of a friend. That's just exactly. And, and just to go back to like how time management, reading and, and budgeting, all this stuff is so related, right? Like doing all those things is so related because you have to have the discipline with your time to be able to make time for the reading and budgeting. And it's like my least favorite thing that I, and I, I started hearing this in college when like Dude, like I was, I was getting after it in college, right? Like sleeping, you know, five to six hours a night, typically PT in the morning, playing basketball in the afternoons, volunteering every Monday, leading Bible study every Friday, speaking a couple of times a month, you know, like doing all this different stuff, right? All these, I was like, that was when I was developing the, the excellence, the well-rounded lifestyle, right? In the honors program, always taking six, 18 credits, you know, like just trying to crush it, bro. Mm-hmm. And I would get like, literally like my blood would boil. Like when people would be like, oh, I can't come to the talk or the Bible study tonight. I had people tell me, bro, that they couldn't come to the talk that night because they had homework due and we were in the same class. They'd be like, oh, no, I can't come to that that test tomorrow. I'm like, yo, all you have to do is show up for 30 minutes. I'm the one that has to prepare. I got to meet with the person. I got to do all this stuff. And I'm like, and I do so much more than you every day. <laughs> and it's yeah. just always that like, oh, I don't have time. But you can the, the thing that's getting people now, Lucas, is they have uh, screen time reports on their phone every Sunday. Apple's like, got your ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. like, here's, they're here's, getting, they're here's what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here's what you've been doing. And then the other thing that I thought was funny at the end of the year is Spotify. Spotify started roasting people too. They're like, Spotify is like, you spent 55,000 minutes listening to music. It's like, dog, if you took 10% of that in the podcast, 10%, my dude, like, you know, cause some people had to be like, shoot, I did not realize I was listening to tunes like that. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, bro, like, you got to make some of that time up because you could become so much more interesting and have so much more influence over your own life. And then when you do that, you're less stressed and anxious about who's the president or who's this or what's going on out there in the world because you're getting your own ish together. I just shared, I don't, I don't know if it was on the podcast or in a conversation or what, but that you were going to be better off financially, no matter who's president, I'd rather be budgeting and intentional under a Biden administration than loose and not, not worrying about it and just not even taking any ownership of my own finances under a Trump administration because mm-hmm. if you didn't invest, if you're not taking, you know, if you're not putting money in, if you're not putting money aside, then it doesn't you're matter how good the economy is You're still going. in the same spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not getting <laughs> yeah. any better. You know, it yeah. doesn't really change anything. Exactly. Exactly. You can't move a parked car. That's just like plain and simple. That's it. Um, and yeah, like, like okay, if, if you're not willing to like eradicate horrible habits in these multiple areas initially, then just like have a plan as to how you're going to say use your phone. Just like have a exactly. plan. 
as to how you're gonna use Spotify. I have Spotify, but I don't listen to music on it. I will occasionally, it's one to 2% of my listening on Spotify is like, like music actually. It's right. learning because that's my plan. That is my purpose for it. And like that in and of itself, I cannot tell you, that will cut through 99% of fluff in life. Yep. It and will. You, you can get amazed how detached you can get from those things. Oh, for when sure. You just kind of break the initial addiction, right? Like, because mm-hmm. I'm the same way, but then, then there's so many times where like, I don't go to the music because I'm not like scrolling and browsing for new music to come out. Like when it comes yeah. out, I'll listen to it and I set aside my time for that. But I know, bro, over the years that you know this, I've gotten in the habit of listening to a podcast pretty much every single day, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's not a podcast and I listen to Audible, and then I notice like, have I not finished an Audible book in a while? You know, and I'm like, oh, I need to prioritize that. And just taking stock at the end of the week, bro, 15 minutes to reflect on like, did I listen to like, did I learn this week? Did I grow? Like whatever you can say, oh, I need to emphasize reading more this week. I need to emphasize podcast more this week. I need to emphasize. And there's been times where I'm like, I need to listen to more music because like the podcasts I'm listening to are pissing me off, you know, or like I'm, I'm not even learning because I'm listening to yeah, too much real. that I can't yeah. take it in. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, sometimes I need to just like, it's okay if I'm doing something that's intellectually uh, dominant enough that I can't listen to something and like pay attention to it, then it's like, that's a good time to just listen to music. You know what I mean? If I'm playing a podcast and it's just kind of distracting me because I'm trying to listen to them and think and type or whatever at the same time, then it's like, okay, maybe I should just, you know, listen to music right now. And it's okay. Like it doesn't have to be this rigid, like there's no fun. And all we do is like, think about money. And it's like, no dude, but like some of your time can be spent into that. And like, just figuring out how much money you make every month and how much your expenses are (laughs) and thinking about what having an intentional plan about what you're going to do with the the future because if you look back and we've done this exercise together and with other people of if you look back over the last 90 days of where your money went it's usually pretty ugly right like it's usually yeah, pretty usually gonna hate reckless and yeah it's not good man but and dude we barely yeah. scratched the surface of what we wanted to discuss today good thing we got a lot of friendship left in us and a lot more time to podcast in the future uh, but this is great man this is a great uh kind of beginning i think we have to go more go a lot deeper into what we want to talk about as far as why some people avoid these things and then also mm-hmm. kind of get more practical and deeper into the, the how people can start to actually practically change their lives. So, um, dude, so thank you for your time today, man. This has been great. Great little start for us. Absolutely. Appreciate your time, Nathan. Yeah, you're the man. <laughs>